I never thought about death until two years ago when my cousin Emma went missing. My family always held her in such high regard, and I saw her regularly, not just at holidays like some people may see their extended family. She was a role model for me, doing well in school, strong-willed. Then she turned 17 and went into the ritual, a mysterious tradition that the women of the family go through when they reach the age of 17. My parents always told me that most people go into the ritual and come out just fine. This all turned totally upside down when she went in and didn't come out. I pleaded with my parents to find out what happened, figure out where she went. I was 12 years old at the time, and I had a long memory of her and my time together. Shockingly, my parents started to gaslight me, tell me that they had never heard of Emma before, that I must have dreamed up this family member, always with this condescending smile on their face, like I had simply had a bad dream about family members going missing. When I insisted that Emma did exist, and that they were playing a cruel joke on me, they would get angry. They would tell me that I shouldn't make up lies about missing family members, and that they didn't appreciate being argued with for no reason. Eventually, I stopped asking, tired of the same non-answer that I would receive from my parents. This carried into my school as well, which was a private organization run by the family. They just sort of removed Emma's name from all student rosters and recognition. It was as if she never existed at all. I spiraled into a bit of a depression as a result of this. Not knowing who I could talk to about it, my grades slipped, and I started drawing the criticism of the family in general. I watched as other girls would get rewarded with the treasure box for good grades. I'd been there before, going into the counselor's office and wishing for something from the treasure box. It was always so normal I never really put much thought into it. A kind of smooth, featureless box that, when you make a wish, anything you desire will come out of it. As children, we often asked for toys and games. Of course, as we got older, the requests began to get more elaborate and expensive. The box never failed, though. It always granted the wishes of those that asked. The counselor always told us that this was a gift from the angels. They never defined who these angels were, or where they came from, just that we had to thank them for everything we had. Everything about it seemed so normal. Just a wish and you get whatever you want. I only ever started to question this after Emma disappeared. It was in that moment of contemplation that I realized what I was going to do. How I was going to enact my revenge for the gaslighting everyone around me was doing. I turned my grades around, focused entirely on my studies. My friends and family thought I had simply given up on my questions about Emma, returned to my normal self. This couldn't be further from the truth. It took maybe a month and a half, but I finally earned a treasure box. The counselors were delighted to bring me into the room, sitting in front of that smooth, square box with nothing on it. Helen was there, one of the senior counselors that came in on special occasions. I guess my dramatic improvement academically spurred her participation. Hello, Diana. How are you today? She asked in her typical soothing tone. Good, I said shortly. We are very proud of you and your achievements over the last couple of months. 
You've most certainly earned this, she went on. I should think so, I replied curtly. Their smiles never wavered, as if they were painted on their faces and as fixed as a painted portrait. They asked me then what I desired from the nameless entities. I smiled back and told them. I wish for my cousin Emma, I said, without an ounce of emotion in my voice. The counselor's smiles faded immediately, especially Helen's. Her face went positively dark, as if a shadow was cast upon it the moment I uttered the words. I sat there, smug expression on my face, knowing that I got them. Maybe now we could stop pretending that Emma never existed. The other counselor with Miss Helen spoke then. Honey, I, I don't know. You don't want to pick something else? She said. No, said Miss Helen abruptly. She made her choice. Go on, Diana. Take a look inside the box. She glared at me then, with a small hint of the smile returning to her face. Only, it wasn't what I would call a happy expression. I stood from my seat and went to the box. I grabbed the lid, which was smooth and featureless like I remembered from a couple years prior. I lifted the lid and looked inside, not really knowing what to expect. There was nothing in it completely devoid of any dust, never mind treasure. I scoffed at the result. Huh. So much for a treasure box, I said with disdain. Miss Helen's smile returned in full. Oh, I know. Such a disappointment, she said in her long, soothing tone again, putting her hand on top of the treasure box and closing it. Let's hope that's the end of it. The end of what? I asked, surprised by the statement. The other counselor looked from Miss Helen and back to me, awkwardly searching for a way to close the conversation. Um, okay, Diana, you can go back to class now, they said. Gladly. I huffed, picking up my bag and leaving the room. I finished out my day at school rather uneventfully, my teachers and friends not really knowing what had just transpired. On my way out the front door and down the steps, I spotted Miss Helen again, waiting in the path. She waved as I approached. Have a nice evening, Diana, she said, the big smile never leaving her face, even as she spoke. Sure, whatever, I said, and walked right by her. I walked home, making it to my front door about fifteen minutes later. Going through the door, my mom greeted me, asking how my day went. I gave some vague non-answer, proceeding straight up the stairs to my room. I wasn't in the mood to talk to anyone, especially not about what happened in the counselor's office. What sort of explanation would I receive? I was so frustrated with being lied to. Was there anyone in this family that wasn't blatantly dishonest? Falling back into some of the depression I'd been dealing with for the last two years, I stayed in my room the rest of the evening. I told my mom that I was sick and not hungry, which she didn't question and left me alone to get some rest. I just stared at my ceiling mulling over in my mind what I wanted to do. There were no answers to be had, not with these people. But what could I do about it? I thought long and hard then about running away. I was still pretty young, but it seemed like the only viable option to starting a life outside the bounds of this family that gaslights and lies to me. I fell asleep as the sun ducked behind the hills visible from my room. Eyelids drooping and consciousness fading as the last light of the day waned in the distance. I awoke sometime in the early hours of the morning, though. A bumping sound in my room, 
stirring me from an already restless sleep. Sitting up in bed, I rubbed the sleep out of my eyes. I looked around the room, and a shadow in the corner being totally out of place made me gasp suddenly. The shape looked human, a feminine body that was about five and a half feet tall. It moved suddenly toward me, taking a few long steps toward the edge of my bed. My heart seized in my chest at the sudden shock of it, thinking it had to be a fake. I turned quickly to my lamp on my nightstand and switched on the light. I turned back, hoping, or maybe praying, that the figure would be gone. It wasn't. Her long hair had been burned off in several places, and her body itself seemed to be made of burning cinders, like she was made of paper or wood. Despite this, she was still very recognizable. I would know my cousin Emma in even the worst condition. Tears came to my eyes then, unsure if I should be happy to see her again, or sad at the terrible state in which she had been manifested. Emma? I asked in a choked voice. Only Emma didn't return an answer. She moved quickly to the side of the bed, grabbing my arms tightly in her burning hands. I winced at the burning sensation that sent into my skin. She opened her mouth wide, ash pouring out of it and into the air around. Then her voice came, only it was magnified and horribly distorted. What did you do? She shouted. Then she disintegrated into a pile of ash onto the floor, portions of it staining my bedsheets and leaving marks on my clothes and arms where she touched me. I shuddered violently then. I had no idea what had just happened. I looked down at my arms where she had touched me. My skin was red, reacting to the burning temperatures that had been applied to them. I didn't dream this. She actually hurt me. Diana? My dad's voice came from downstairs. The shouting of my name knocked me out of my stunned state. Get down here! He shouted again. His voice was jarring to me. My dad was normally a very calm, tempered man. Hearing him shout like this was definitely out of the ordinary. I rushed out of my room and down the stairs into the living room. Both of my parents were standing there, looks of grave concern on their faces. Diana, my dad started. I need to know right now if anything unusual happened at school yesterday. What do you mean? I asked, still in a bit of a daze. Diana, stop it. You woke up, went to school, came home, and immediately went to bed. Unless something unusual happened up there, I assume something happened at school. Tell me, he explained. I looked down briefly, and then recounted the story to my parents. Not just what happened the previous day, but everything leading up to it. Missing Emma, and everyone lying to me. The depression. Picking out my grades just so I could get the treasure box. And then, the fateful wish I put forth to it. My dad cringed when I told him what I asked of the treasure box. My mom clasped her hands to her mouth, a look of sheer terror in her eyes. My dad calmed his expression and looked me directly in the eyes. Diana, what you've done is deadly serious. There's something you need to know about the rigid... He started to say, but was cut off. A sudden pounding noise all around us made all three of us jump, like a hundred hammers were putting nails into the sides of the house. My dad ran suddenly to one of the windows in the kitchen and pulled away the curtains. I was shocked to see that members of the family were putting boards up over our window. 
My mother ran to the other side of the living room and pulled back more curtains. Window after window was being covered, all at the same time by an army of family members. They were barricading us into our own home. Through the gap in the window my dad had gone to, I could see her, Miss Helen. She was standing in our yard, looking in. I don't know how it would be possible, but she seemed to be looking directly at me, eyes able to pierce the wood and walls of the house, and look directly at me. She still had that wide smile on her face. A board was put up on the window, blocking my view of Miss Helen. My dad went to the front door and tried to open it, but it would not budge. We had been completely barricaded in, all doors, windows, any conceivable exit, all at once. My dad ran his hand through his hair and came back to us. Diana, Emma died during the ritual. There's too much to explain to you right now. Just that the angels are real, and whatever wish you made to bring Emma back, you probably also brought the angel with her, he explained. They aren't... Let's just say they are a boon for our family, but when they want something, they take it. He explained all of this so quickly I didn't really have time to comprehend it. What does that mean? They would take what they want? The angels always seem figurative when spoken about. They are real creatures we interact with? As I stood there, contemplating this, a final board was put up on a window of the living room, effectively snuffing out the last rays of sunlight passing through the house. As it happened, it cast a shadow on the corner of the kitchen, a shadow from which a figure stepped out of. We all jumped back a step as they emerged. The sight of them was utterly chilling. A man who was dripping wet from a long mop of hair, his clothes looked ripped, torn, and completely soaked from head to foot. His skin was also so loose it was as if it was melting off of his body. The eyes were dark, expressionless. His eye sockets were wide and drooping, like the skin and bone had been liquefied. An unnatural darkness pervaded the room then, drowning out and muting the electrical light that our house provided. My dad stepped in front of my mom and I then, putting his hands out as if to defend us from the uninvited guest. Get upstairs! My dad shouted. My mom and I backed up, unsure of what would happen. Then the creature moved forward toward my dad. My dad charged him then. I think, hoping to take the thing by surprise. It stopped and just smiled, a mouth full of missing and rotten teeth. It opened its arms wide, as if to take my dad into an embrace. My dad hit him with all the force of his body, and it was as if he had hit a brick wall. The creature enclosed its arms around him, and he instantly took to flame, body turning to burning cinders and then ash. The creature pulled them down into the floor, and then they both vanished. My mom shrieked as this happened, grabbing my arm and pulling me with her. We ran up the stairs two at a time, turning the corner and heading into my parents' room. My mom slammed the door shut, locking it. We went to the dresser, pushing it against the door in an attempt to barricade it shut. We both jumped back from it, staring at the door and expecting something to crash into it at any moment. Only the crash never came drop of water hit my arm then, cool and also unnerving. I touched my mom's shoulder, showing her the droplet. We both looked up and saw the melting man on the ceiling. My mom screamed and the man dropped down on top of her, her body turning to ash the moment he landed on her. I was knocked away as they both disappeared into the floor. I moved to the corner of the room and sat down. 
arms around my knees as I waited for the melted man to return. I didn't know what else to do. He didn't seem obstructed by any sort of physical wall, and I was completely trapped inside this house. Several minutes passed and nothing happened. The house sat in an eerie silence. I sat in the corner, looking at the pile of ash where my mom used to be, unable to reconcile the emotions coursing through my body, being overridden by the terror that had paralyzed me. A sharp, cold wave went over me again as the melted man again stepped out of a shadow from the far corner of the room. He did not charge at me, but did walk around the bed and kneel down. He looked me in the eyes, head turned quizzically, as if he was trying to read my mind. He, it, spoke then, in a gurgled voice, as if it needed to speak through a glass of water. Your wish, it croaked. Raising its arm, it motioned to the corner where it had come from. Another figure stepped out from the darkness and came into the light. Emma was there again, silent, staring off at something I could not see. She didn't speak, just stood there like an empty shell, lightly burning in different places on her body. The melted man gave me a wide smile then, and waved as if to bid me farewell. He went into the shadows and disappeared. As he did so, the shadow that loomed over the house seemed to lift. Rays of daylight started to pierce through the gaps in the boards. Emma did not move, did not disappear. She stood there, unmoving. Emma, I said, can you hear me? She did not respond, just stared blankly, as if off into the distance, looking at something so far away she could never reach it. I got up and made my way over to her, waving my hand in front of her face. Her gaze never shifted. I slumped down to the floor again, overcome with emotion. My parents, gone. The family betrayed us. The person I wished for, some sort of soulless automaton. Two days later, the family returned, removing the boards and barricades from the house. Helen was there, smile wide on her face. I ignored her, not interested in whatever snide remark she may have had for me. Taking in the sunshine out front, Emma was there with me, but no one seemed to notice she was around, not even Helen. Emma was always there from then on. She was in class with me, standing to the side, looking out the windows. She was at my aunt and uncle's house, where I now lived with my parents gone. She was now a permanent fixture in my life, always there, always watching, and never interacting. I don't know by what horrific means that this punishment was inflicted upon me, but I knew for a certainty now that the gifts we had received our whole lives were not to be taken lightly. I needed to get out of here, away from this family. Now that the ritual and the horrors it contains have been revealed to me, I would never again be able to trust anyone around me. Two years later, near my 16th birthday, I did run away, hopping a bus and making my way across the country. Emma was with me, standing in the back. She and I, now companions, on this uncertain road laid out before me.